0: Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so very much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to it on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports podcast podcast network feed on uh, Apple, Spotify. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Do what you gotta do to find the episodes every week. If you do subscribe, you won't miss a single one. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris. Zach is at Zach TNT and at A to Z Sports on Twitter. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports for everything that Zach writes. And now, I haven't even... Mean, really talked about this i've just sort of been doing it um everything that i write i've been writing a couple things every single week for all a to z sports shout out to them for throwing me a few shingles to shingles shekels
1: (laughs) (laughs) shingles oh i know (laughs) what red bumps you get on your your mind i know why shingles is on your mind (laughs) that's (laughs) (laughs) that is why
0: all right we'll pull back the curtain a little bit fun stuff just bought a new house and uh Unbeknownst to us, we need a new roof, and I found that out today. That's a really fun conversation when somebody comes to your house and says, "Give me ten thousand dollars because you have to have what I provide." Great stuff. um <laughs> Well, we're
1: we're already into it, Zach. What is up, man? I'm still trying to digest this Florida game. Really, I've thought about it a lot over the last uh, two days, I guess now and. And it's one of the more intriguing losses Tennessee's ever had. They lost by 24 points, more than they lost uh, to Florida by last year. And somehow I feel better about this team after that 38-14 loss to Florida. It's I, it's not a moral victory or anything like that. It's just what I saw, I definitely feel better about Tennessee than I did uh, after the like the Pittsburgh game or even the Tennessee Tech game.
0: It is a familiar but also odd time to be a Tennessee fan right now because losing to Florida is nothing new. I believe 16 of the last 17 years you lost that game. Shoot me in the head. Um, But I completely agree with you. I walk away from that game, and I kind of go, if Heupel could get the dudes in this system, I like where this is headed. I saw some things there that said to me, this will be effective. And that that was my whole question coming into the Hypel era. Will this actually be effective in the SEC? This breakneck offense that is super simplified and tries to be as QB friendly as possible. Nobody's really done it in the SEC. And you kind of tax your defense pretty badly when you run this offense. And then he comes in. The defenses look better than I thought it would. He has actually shown that he can sort of control the pace of the game when he needs to, and that's been nice. You know, he some things like he'll run the ball more often if they need to hang on to it or just running the ball is working. Uh, and then, you know, earlier in the game, it seems like they're really pounding it through through the air, which is fine. They finally, finally connected on a deep pass. How about that? A touchdown pass to Javante Payton. Uh, shout out to Hinton Hooker for finally making the dreams of all Tennessee fans come true there. Um, but I, yeah, I completely agree with you. You got steamrolled, but I walk away from that game and I just go, you got outclassed. I, I didn't watch that game and go, the coaching ruined this. I guess that's the difference.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean... You're talking about if Jimmy Callaway catches that fourth down pass. Oh, um, it's like a what 10-point game, one score, 10-point yeah. game or something there. I mean, that that completely changed the game. You see, it's a first down. He probably scores on the play because nobody was there. It was the perfect play call on fourth and six, so who knows what happens from there. Florida still probably wins the game because they just – Tennessee kind of ran out of gas there. Cooper Mays was – I mean, he showed his toughness. Uh, He really probably shouldn't have even been on the field, but I I think you're going to have a hard time getting him off the field playing against Florida. Uh, So he should definitely be an instant fan favorite for that. But just the scheme, I mean, it works. Hypo has guys open consistently. And against a really good team, against a really good defense that really limited Alabama a week ago in the running game, somewhat in the passing game, and Tennessee held their own. I mean, like you said, they they, they they don't have the dudes quite yet to compete with Florida. They don't have the depth. But as far as the scheme and the coaching, in mean, Hypo, it works. And if he can do that against Florida, it's going to work in the SEC. Now, maybe it doesn't work against Alabama and Georgia, but that's not who you need it to work against right now. You, you need it to work against all these teams you've been losing to that's been keeping you from getting the 8, 9, 10 wins a year
0: oddly i kind of look now and this is certainly putting the cart before the horse i need to see tennessee play i think i think this missouri game is going to be pretty telling because i think it's a game you should certainly win um i I don't know if i want to put that exact expectation on it quite yet where i'll say you should win but you definitely can win i'll frame it that way um but i i look at this and i say this actually really plays into sneaking out a win against like georgia because georgia's offense is pretty bad um, no, yeah, they put up 50 million points against Vandy, but everybody's going to put up 50 million points against Vandy. Vandy is one of the worst FBS college football teams I've ever seen. It's like this year, it's like them and UConn. And funny enough, they're playing each other this year, uh, I believe, a little bit later. <laughs> um, what a nightmare game that is. Uh, but like that, that offense just against a decent defense has, has struggled. They don't, the quarterback situation's been in flux. It's a whole thing. And so I look at that and I go, you can score so fast and so effectively. Sometimes when this offense gets going, it's a little bit later in the season. Maybe the offense is going more at that point. Maybe you're cutting out more of the, the uh, penalties at that point. You got a little better discipline, a little more cohesiveness at that point. And then, you know, you're down seven in the fourth quarter in that game. And then all of a sudden you score two quick touchdowns and you got a lead in that game and you could sneak something out. Now, that's a lot to ask. That Georgia defense is incredible. But I, I say if it's going to play into any kind of upset like that, it's a game like that that sort of feels that way. It's going to be Ole Miss plays a very similar game to you. So that's sort of a whole different conversation. But where you could sneak up on a team and be like, oh, you trailed the entire game, but then you put together two quick touchdowns right at the end and you won. And and I think it sort of plays into something like that. And that's kind of exciting. And yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Just everybody's open all the time and against the defense that technically on paper should be crushing you. I that. That first half. I was genuinely impressed. I tweeted that I said, this is impressive. And I don't know that I felt that way about. a a Tennessee coach since like Lane Kiffin where I, where you go, this is good. This is a good coaching job. Um, and the second half where you just run out of, you run out of dudes. it sort of is what it is right now. But, uh, that first half impressive, you probably should have had the lead at halftime because there was mistakes in the first half too. You kind of melted down at the end of the half Callaway drops that pass where you could have been competitive in the second half. I mean, a lot happened there. And I, yeah, I just look, bring in the guys, clean it up. I like this scheme. It's incredibly. I like it way more than I thought I would.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had my reservations because it's a it's a small, non-existent playbook almost. It's, it's kind of like what Kendall Browse is known for doing. So I was skeptical of it, but I think it really shows how smart Heupel is because what he's doing, he's really adjusting his game plan on the fly. Mm-hmm. He's reacting to what the defense is doing, and he does it well. I mean, you haven't – you've seen Tennessee not execute, but you haven't seen them get into a position where they can't get guys open. And, I mean, that's that's been the most impressive thing to me. I think we also learned what kind of Coach Heupel is as far as – how he manages a game. I mean, he's going full throttle pretty much the whole game. He went forward on fourth down several times. There at the end of the first half, I know there's some people that disagree with how he handled the clock management there, but I, I understand. I understand <laughs> what he was trying to do, and if he made if that field is made, maybe that's a different conversation. But the way the the way the offense works, if you're letting Florida. Kind of sit back and substitute and react to what you're doing. Maybe the offense, Hypo's offense, just isn't as effective because that's just, I mean, that's where it gets its strength from is catching the defense off guard. Now, obviously, if you're in a situation where you're trying to sit on the clock a little bit, maybe you've got a lead. You know, your team's not really built to do that. That's something that could come back and bite Tennessee at some point. But if they've got a lead in the fourth quarter, there are they're doing something right so you know cross that bridge when you get there sort of thing but he's a very aggressive coach it seems
0: I agree across the board there outside of let's test the waters with that two minute offense there to end the half as you said I get what he's going for you want Florida's on their heels you want to keep pressing putting your foot on the pedal I, I get it also uh i think you there's a better way to handle that i just you say you got timeouts you have timeouts at your disposal expo- disposal use the resources you're given uh and i mean i i say that about like rick barnes he's notoriously doesn't call timeouts use the timeouts just use they're there for you they're there for you to use <laughs> use them
1: um it'll be interesting to see if he uh kind of changes his approach any there if he sees you know how valuable points are in an sec game where you have to come away with points in that situation at the end of the second half maybe he changes his approach a little bit uh maybe that's something they work on they scheme around either way jeremy pruitt i saw somebody tweet it he would have taken a knee and it would have been the end of the half so at least he did something
0: (laughs) i i like the aggressiveness across board i i am very much a Go for it on fourth down. Go for the two point conversion to win. You know, be be aggressive. Run a fake punt every now and again. Like really push the envelope. And so I like that, especially those fourth down conversions. And they they were nailing them. Callaway catches that ball. It's probably a touchdown. And the game, the complexion of that game is totally different in the second half. Uh, But the fact that you could just rip off huge plays on Florida, the running game looked better than it probably should have. Tyon Evans. Is a dog get that man the football? Bayless Jones is a dog get that man the football. You are you're finding your playmakers, and these these pieces are showing themselves and hopefully starting to come together. Because I think if if you can hit it with Tyon Evans and then back him up with a an effective running game with Jabari Small, like that's a really nice punch. Your your receivers, if they can catch the ball, can be really effective. Uh, that, yes, (laughs) who knows what's going on there? So many drops. Um, I mean, I think Callaway, he was, he was thinking about the touchdown. You, you could see he turned Mm -hmm. his eyes upfield before he ever caught the ball. And it don't do that. You you can't do that. Um, but I, I just look at the package as a whole. I'm impressed by Tim Banks so far, which in no way did I think that was going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, you, you got drilled by Florida, but you got you you held your own in a position where nobody thought you could and then eventually it just comes to the fact of like you don't have backups you don't i mean who who is there behind the starters almost nobody at almost all positions uh and and that just catches up with you it just does and that's going to take time and that's recruiting right now is a real serious conversation in itself that I think Tennessee doesn't want to face how it's going to be extremely hard to recruit good guys right now with the investigation hanging over your head and just the state of the program. But that, for right now, for what I've seen, I could ask for more, but I I do like it.
1: The depth on defense is especially important because they're playing at such a high tempo there or an attacking style on defense where they're really aggressive they're going after the ball we saw it with Alante taylor when he ripped the ball away from uh jacob copeland and which funny every time i think about jacob copeland i think about his mom walking off the stage whenever he uh announced his commitment to florida <laughs> whenever she had the alabama and tennessee stuff on so but uh I mean, that, the depth on defense, like you said, it, it's not there at all, and it's very important because the as quick as they're trying to rotate defensive linemen out and linebackers, and they still have those guys right now. So it's going to be a while before we really see Tennessee be able to close these games on defense in the second half. But I, I definitely agree that I've been really impressed with Tim Banks. Uh, the defense has played really great effort great intensity of different defense than what I felt like we saw last year. It's not perfect. Jeremy Bates is still out there doing some really dumb things, <laughs> but I, I feel like we don't see nearly as much confusion as we did last yes. year where players just right before the snap, just they, they look lost and, and we don't see that now. And that's refreshing
0: I, with Pruitt. It just always seemed like he was trying to put a round peg in a square hole mm-hmm. and it, just wasn't working, and this feels so much more natural and so much more effective. And and I gotta say, I mean, I was, I was critical of the Tim Banks hire because it just felt like you you had to get down on your knees and grovel for any person to even look at this job because everybody knows it's career suicide. And he's come in and so far through four games done an admirable job. Uh, in in my opinion, I mean, just a in a crap spot with with a bad set of players, no offense to those players. It is what it is. We already said this. Uh, crap spot with bad set of players and and they're they're putting up a fight. They're putting up a real fight and I like it. And then they got sort of the they get their soul from Milante, which is really nice. He comes in and brings a good fire and that's been really good to see. Uh hopefully they just continue to get better. That's that's all I can ask and just stay healthy definitely stay healthy <laughs> that's really key you saw tyler baron go down in that game and i think everybody in the entire fan base was like no anybody but him take my legs please <laughs> uh on the whole weird weird florida game although i normal florida game you've got whipped but a weird florida game all the same because i do walk away going even even now again Got a full season ahead, still a good portion of the season still to go. We may, by the end of the season, be questioning things. But for right now, I kind of go, if you get better players in here, this is an effective system, and I, I like where this is headed. Um, let's do talk at length about this quarterback situation. Uh, Hinden Hooker, I believe he's essentially showed himself to be the guy. I, How do you think any other way at this point? I'm not sure how you could. Um, I think the Harrison Bailey acolytes are starting to fall off some <laughs> now that they've uh, yeah, actually don't made see some really effective plays.
1: Much defense of Harrison Bailey, even on Facebook. He's, he hasn't been mentioned much lately at all. I think people are kind of starting to see the writing on the wall. There are still a few out there, though. that think Josh Heupel has never seen a quarterback before in this former five-star quarterback by one recruiting service that broke records in Georgia with the most incredible receivers any high school player has probably ever had and that he is just getting a raw deal at Tennessee but I, I think most people would agree at this point that that's not the case and, and Bailey is just not what we thought he was yeah and I think the
0: biggest thing for me with hooker I saw improvement week over week mm-hmm. he became more composed and more effective in the swamp that says a ton to me yeah I I, I'm not sure that his ceiling is incredibly high. He's not going to come in and be Cam Newton, but he's, I think for this season, he can be an effective quarterback for you. And maybe next season too. You got another year with him and, and you just, you got to take the blessings that you're given. The kid is playing decently. Well, he's, I think for right now, he's playing good enough. I believe to win some of these low end of the sec games, and we're going to see here soon enough this week against Missouri. If you got one coming up and he needs to play. He obviously, he went down with some form of injury. Not Hypo is very closed lip about that. So not totally sure what's going on there. Did he, I, was he asked about it at all? I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, he was yeah but,
1: and he didn't give any specific, nothing.
0: Updates. no. And so, Hopefully he plays because, man, Milton came in and garbage time there when the game was out of hand. And oh man, it's just he's not the guy, he's not, man. He was he did come in totally cold, he hadn't played a single snap, but the couple passes he threw were just not, not good. They weren't good. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Um, so Milton is the guy, and I I think. It's it's good that you can get past the situation where you're kind of feeling like oh if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one get that out of the way you got your guy
1: yeah you got to you got to go with Hooker and it's kind of interesting because Joe Milton is still listed as the starter on the depth chart that Tennessee released today but you know those depth charts really mean nothing I don't think Tennessee's even updated there since the first one of the season they just released the same one every Monday but Heupel today. He was so vague when he, you know, he said that he didn't know if Hooker will be available Saturday. And then he's asked if, well, if Joe Milton is healthy. Is he the starter? And he's, he's uh, said something like, I'm not getting into things that, that aren't real at this point or something along those lines. This is very real. This is, this is (laughs) the situation. Who is your starting quarterback? You know, basically is what the question is. Like who start, if they're both healthy, Who plays? Who starts? I mean, I think the question, the answer has to be Hooker. I think Heipel knows it's Hooker, but it almost feels like he's not trying to say that Hooker has overtaken Milton yet. I mean, Hooker's starts have been under the guise of Milton not being healthy enough to play. Well, clearly he was healthy enough to play, and he was healthy enough to play ahead of the third string quarterback. Um, And no matter what, you know, what we think of Harrison Bailey. He's still a quarterback with SEC experience. You would think if Milton's not healthy enough to to start the game and he's supposed to be your starting quarterback that he wouldn't play at all. So I definitely think Hypo's leaning towards Hooker, but for some reason he does not want to kind of put that out there as Hooker has unseated Milton just yet. And you know, maybe that's just the way he runs his program. We haven't seen enough of Hypo to really understand, you know, his personality enough just yet, but it is interesting how he's handling it to me.
0: It is. It feels. It feels like after this Florida game that he's really just kind of trying to play a bait and switch as much as he can. Because Milton could have played. Milton could have played in that Florida game, and if Heibel felt convicted, like he was the guy, he would have played. I oh didn't. yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: And he t- Hooker was the guy in that Florida game. We all saw. It. We all got eyes in our head. Or. I guess not everybody does, but <laughs> most people do. <laughs> Sorry,
1: <laughs> pirates. Pirates have won, and we're not exactly.
0: To- but we all saw what what happened there, and Hooker is the guy. He just is, man. He he made a deep pass. What? That's all you need to know, right there. The dude connected on a deep pass. Uh, he still he still had some major overthrows, but especially like when it counted, the throw to Jimmy Calloway. There was a drop. You do not look at Hooker on that play and go, man, you should have thrown a better ball. It was a perfect ball. He let him decently. Well, it was right in his hands. And the dude was just looking for the touchdown and had his eyes up and dropped it. So he gets you get further in the season with more cohesiveness and more experience. And and I I think he's fine for right now. He's and especially if he's affected with his legs, too. He -hmm. he can kind of squirm away. Um, He's not unbelievable in that way. But uh, he's he's better than Harrison Bailey, would be, and you put it that way. And so, take that at what it is. You you have your quarterback, and that's good. Now he's got to play the, this week. That's huge, and it's massive in this conversation with the Missouri game that we're gonna get to uh, at at the end of the show. But we'll we'll get there before we move on to sort of the, the in between topic, in between the the start and the end of the show here. Uh, any any other thoughts on the game that you wanted
1: to cover, Zach? Um, really there's some very interesting stats from this game. Some kind of surprising stats because this morning I looked at what Tennessee did against Florida and what Alabama did against Florida. And they really, the, the difference in this, in the two games, Alabama beat Florida because Alabama scored when they were in Florida territory. Uh, Tennessee didn't score when they were in Florida territory. You had the 75 yard touchdown to Javante Payton. And I think Tyon Evans was like 46. Maybe maybe they were just in Florida territory. They weren't in the red zone. Um but that was really the difference. Otherwise, Tennessee ran for more yards than Alabama. They averaged almost a yard more per carry than Alabama against Florida. They I believe they passed they yes, they passed for more yards. This mm-hmm. was probably uh neither neither team had any turnovers, which I think is a very underrated thing that we haven't really talked about a lot is Tennessee went in the swamp with this team and did not turn the ball over. Um, But the most surprising stat to me was that Alabama was actually more penalized against Florida than Tennessee was. And that's been one of the biggest knocks Mm. on Tennessee early in the season. Now, Tennessee still, I mean, they had 10 penalties for 85 yards. That's, that's too many. Florida had six for 45. Alabama had 11 for 75 yards. So less penalty yards, but more Penalties. One more penalty than Tennessee had. So Tennessee's getting knocked for you know playing undisciplined football. I don't really see that being talked about with Alabama after the defending champs had eleven penalties.
0: And, and I, I think you you got to include in the talk about Tennessee's penalties. One penalty was thirty yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the targeting, um, and so which that-
1: was that that was pretty bad like oh it was the right call it was the right call for sure
0: but that was 30 of the did you say 85 yards 10 for 85 uh yes so it was it was really nine for 50 outside of that and so definitely not good definitely needs to get cleaned up but that is really interesting and probably to whatever extent speaks to strangely some of the youth that Alabama has right now, not that I'm in any way saying that they're like beatable for Tennessee or something like that, but they maybe not Saban's greatest team. They obviously playing a freshman, at quarterback. That's a whole thing. And so, Hey, you, you gotta just take the, the little victories where they are and, and look at this. And and as this really just plays into what we were saying at the beginning of the show this system is effective. It is. And that is great. Let's build on it and beat Missouri, beat Kentucky, beat South Carolina, win all those games, give a, a great game to Ole Miss, give a great game to Georgia, and then get the guys in in, in this offseason. And I, I think you can go somewhere with it. That's that's good. I I really, really do hope that the penalties are not going to be an ongoing Thing with Josh Heupel that is certainly something that has given I think given everybody pause
1: hopefully it is just it was an issue at UCF according to, it, yes. to some of the fans that you hear I haven't really looked at the numbers to see wh- how penalized they were but it is a concern but you know the, the two biggest issues with this team right now wide receiver drops penalties those are fixable things the wide receiver drops are really is it is it I mean, at some point, the players have to take responsibility for that. There's only so much a wide mm-hmm. receiver coach can do. You, you catch the ball or you don't. Um, I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything from the wide receivers that made me think Cody Burns is a bad wide receivers coach. You know, they, they seem to be running the right routes. They're getting open. They're creating separation. That's what a wide receivers coach is supposed to do. Catching the ball? I mean, you need to spend an hour on the judge m- machine or whatever and figure it out. I mean, that's something the player just has to figure out. And the penalties, you know, like we talked about, hopefully that's something that, that the coaches can can iron out there.
0: And, and it happens to to the best of us. You look at – I'm a big Titans fan. A.J. Brown is having a terrible season so far, and the dude's like one of the best right, wide receivers in the best league in football. So it can happen to anybody. Get it fixed. That's that's all that we ask. Uh, and And hopefully they will – Because I do look at that system and I go, this has the potential. I, I hope that this happens at some point this season. I'm not sure your, your depth might not allow it to happen, but this team has the potential, I think to just like blow out one of these teams to just, you know, maybe South Carolina where you just run up three scores really quickly and South Carolina is just not clicking. And then all of a sudden you have a 28 to six lead and, and you just, you have a, a fine time and ride it out to a nice blowout win. I, I think this system lends itself to that. Cause there's just so many possessions. And if the defense is playing decently as it has been, I think it gets bad teams. It's just going to become more effective if it stays healthy. And I, I think it bodes well for the rest of the season. So far as crazy as it is, I, I can't believe that I'm being <laughs> positive, <laughs> which if you know me, That is certainly something, and I, Josh Heupel, should be proud. You got me being positive over here after a blowout loss to Florida. Congratulations, you have you've pulled something off there. Uh, And with that said, we can get into this Missouri game. You got to go to Missouri. There's a real factor to me, probably the biggest factor because what it plays into is things like penalties. You got a crowd in your ear. It's already something that you were struggling with at home against Pittsburgh. Uh, and I don't love it. I think this game lends itself to shooting yourself in the foot. And I and in a game where it's going to be really close, you can't afford to do much of that, no?
1: Yeah, it'll be... They'll have to keep their focus for sure. I'm sure... After that Florida game, the emotions of that game, playing in the swamp, a lot of players, that's their first time playing in a road game. Um, especially even guys that were freshmen last year, that's their first time really playing in front of a crowd on the road because you had such limited capacities last year. On one hand, I think, well, you just played in the swamp on a Saturday night. This noon game at Missouri, which were you know 11 a.m. local time, I guess, there should be nothing compared to that. Uh, sometimes noon road games are an advantage for for the away team because the crowd is so dead. I mean, that's how uh, Tennessee beat Auburn you know, in Jeremy Pruitt's first year. But I also could see it being a bit of a letdown where you lose your focus after the, the emotions of the Florida game. Maybe they're just not up for this game. I, I don't know. It, it could really go either way. Um, I tend to think it'll, it'll go better. Because I think Hypel's done a really good job of keeping this team focused and together. I know this doesn't really have anything to do with what they do on the football field, but I saw Jalen Hyatt's uh, dad tweet about just how close the team was after losing to Florida. How Josh Heupel was hanging out with the team and their families after the game. and He said something along the lines of instead of going and hiding in a bus. I don't know if that was a reference to, to Jeremy Pruitt or not, but I like to think that it was. But just talking about <laughs> players introducing themselves to other players families just that connection i know it's a kind of a cliche theme and hyples talked about it a lot but it really does feel like this team is close and focused so if they can keep that focus on the road against missouri i like the matchup for tennessee in this game certainly um they can run the ball against missouri boston college yeah. just ran for like 275 yards uh, Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, I mean, they can do some damage. And Heupel, we saw it with the Bowling Green game. He's going to do whatever he has to do to to win the game. Whatever Missouri gives Tennessee, that's what Tennessee's going to do. If if they're defending the pass, Heupel's going to run the ball. So I think Missouri's defense isn't that great. Uh, the offense is good, but it's not great. Uh, I like Tennessee's ability to go in there and really put up some points on Missouri if everything clicks like uh, we saw it in the first half of the Florida game. (laughs) Just looked here on
0: CFBstats.com. 130 teams in FBS football and Missouri is 129th in rushing defense. That is brutal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see on passing... The, it's not
1: nearly as bad. I, it's probably a product of that last game where they you just got You don't it. have to pass the ball against a team that gives up that many yards on the ground.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, it's uh, 33rd in the nation on pass defense, but as you're saying there, is anyone passing against them? <laughs> Do you need to? I th- Give the ball to Tyne Evans. Give the ball to Jabari. Small. Run into rounds with Velas Jones Jr. There's there's so many things that you could do to effectively run against Missouri. You did it last year. You, you whipped Missouri with a, you know, a, a team that I guess technically had better talent. Um, but you they they just haven't looked like any kind of world beater. Obviously, they lost to Boston College in overtime this week. Um, and so the, the biggest factor to, to me that I already mentioned. At Missouri, although that's not like that's like a super hostile environment or something like that, it's certainly not known to be one of the harder places to play in the SEC, but I think they're all tough places to play in the middle of SEC play. don't don't get to, to thinking it's gonna be easy. And so you we mentioned you actually picked before the season that Tennessee would lose this game has your feeling changed through four games?
1: It, it actually has because mostly well mostly because of the Florida game um, and the fact that Bowling Green I don't think is quite as bad as we thought they were they just beat Minnesota now I don't <laughs> yeah. know you know how great Minnesota is or is it but that's a power five team that's supposed to have a, a coach that's coveted at times in every coaching search that comes up. Bowling Green goes and beats them. And maybe Pittsburgh's not quite as bad. I know they, they lost the game, but, yeah, it's a good offense. And they have a really good quarterback. Um, with, Without that quarterback, I think Tennessee beats Pittsburgh. I I, I like Tennessee's odds of winning this game. I, I feel like now it's going to be a win because I think, like I said, Tennessee can run the ball. Uh, Missouri has a young quarterback that's very talented, but he's been prone to make some not great decisions at times. I think maybe this is the game where Tennessee starts to get some of those turnovers that they haven't been getting. They've been attacking, the opportunities are there. Eventually they're going to create some turnovers and if that happens, yeah, I could see Tennessee, you know, getting the win at Missouri. Hypels first SEC win. It I definitely feel a lot different now that we're four games into the season.
0: It would be huge. I I really hope that they can put it together in this game. I I think it really hinges on Hooker playing quarterback and so just say your prayers there. That's what I would say. I you know, Heupel is keeping keeping that close to the vest as he probably should. Honestly, Hooker might be fine and Hypele just sees an opportunity hey i could throw it up in the air and not tell missouri who my starting quarterback is going to be and i don't blame him for for doing that hopefully that's the case i get the feeling watching the play that hooker got got injured on <laughs> probably isn't the case um because it looked like that definitely could have been a tough uh yeah he i mean he tried bit. to
1: get up and fell down that was tough to mm. watch
0: i Uh, and you know they took him back into the tent you really don't have any indication of you know they were working on him here doing something that might be just be concussion protocol who knows uh but just say your prayer that he's that he's your quarterback because if it's Milton
1: if it's mm, Milton my my pick might would be different yeah
0: and that's that's kind of where I was leading there I I think as far as this game goes to me hookers win Milton is a loss uh, and, and that just, unfortunately, I know genuinely no slight to, uh, to Milton, but he just, when you're throwing the ball 15 yards over kids heads, every single time you launch the football, you're not going to win football games, <laughs> I you know, and maybe, maybe the running game can be just so effective in this game that it doesn't matter. Hopefully that would be the case. But, I mean, for your running game to be as effective as possible, you still have to be able to pass the ball some. Exactly. There's no getting around it.
1: And and that's what Missouri's going to do. If, if Hooker's the guy, they're going to have to defend the pass. Tennessee can run the ball. If Milton's the guy, they have the game. They have the film. They might be willing to get beat on the chance that he connects on one or two of those deep balls. Because what are the chances he's going to connect on more than those? He hasn't. All year, So odds are he's not going to start doing it against Missouri. They're going to sell out against the run. That's Missouri's chance to win the game. If Milton beats you, he beats you. He hasn't done it yet, so make him prove it. So, yeah, that, that would be the difference in the game for me. Even though Missouri's run defense has been pretty bad, if you're selling out against the run at some point, you're going to load the box, and you, somebody's going to have to stop somebody at that point.
0: Exactly. Bowling Green had a decent time against Tennessee's run game because they just knew that Milton... I mean, in that second half, they really shut it down because they just saw, oh, this kid's not going to throw on us. We'll just stack the box. And yeah, it, it can be as bad as, as it can get, but de- defensively for Missouri, but they can still... You just throw enough guys in there and you can probably get a stop. So I, I feel that way. Hookers win... Milnitz loss. You, th- this will be all around. This is the test I've been waiting for to see for Hypo though, because well, P- Pittsburgh was it also, but Pittsburgh was almost too early in the season. You've really kind of got your, your feet under you a little bit more. You've played an sec game and an sec game on the road. And you sort of see how you stack up and, and you've played in a, in a tough, tough environment, this isn't going to be anything close to a sold-out swamp uh, at Missouri, and so you got a little, a little more of a seasoned team. I don't know; it's a little premature to say seasoned, but a, a team that has played together a little bit now, hopefully a little more settled in, and just, just go out and, and play, play your game, impose your will. Because I, man, Missouri ain't it. Drinkwitz ain't it he lost he already lost to kentucky lost to boston college and just go out and win this game and and show honestly what it would show is that the rebuild isn't as big as we thought hopefully that's what it would really be an indication of because if you if you can just already be ahead of the bottom half of the sec east you're right there just go get the better players and and get competitive with florida and georgia that's that's what has to happen, and this this is the start of that initiative. Show us that Tennessee is there, and they. It may not be there. Your depth may just catch up to you, and you just can't. Uh, but I think there's there's a chance at the very least.
1: I, I know a lot of people preach patience when it comes to a new coach, and especially in this situation, but I think. What we what we're seeing at Arkansas right now, and what Sam Pittman is doing there, where he has them in the top ten in his second year, Crazy. I'm not saying that's what Josh Heupel should do at Tennessee, because uh, it's a different every, every situation is a different situation, and every situation is is unique. Um, but you you have to show some signs early that you're going to get this thing turned around, and Pittman did that last year with Arkansas. I mean they had their bumps and stuff, but that he, he showed a lot of promise and now he's really delivering on that. This is the type of game that Hypel needs to win to show fans something. Uh, you you don't wanna have to make excuses for a coach after a five and seven first year, like we had to do for Butch Jones. Well, he beat South Carolina, but you know, he just doesn't have the pieces yet. That's true, but if you're gonna be an above average coach, you know, you're gonna have to win some games that people don't think you're going to win uh and more than just one where you have to beat south carolina you happen to be auburn uh teams that probably weren't as good as we thought they were this is the type of game that hypo needs to go win and, and show that he's gonna have this team on the right track
0: exactly the, i believe this stat is still true and it's been true for years now every current active national championship winning coach won at least nine regular season games in their second year as coach at their mm. current school uh and it's not many i mean you think about it it's uh
1: five it's, maybe
0: saving because even like i guess technically urban meyer is no longer uh he was yeah. in that group but he's no longer active in ncaa football dabo did it uh dabo dabo whatever dabo, right, that guy
1: yeah. uh <laughs>
0: Edo did... Oh, so maybe he, I he think might he have changed
1: it. I think he did. He did? Because you got to think that one year he was kind of interim. That's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Jimbo. Jimbo.
0: Jimbo was on that list, I, I remember. And so... Oh,
1: Matt, Matt Brown. <laughs> Forget about that guy. <laughs> that's
0: true, man. Yeah, he is still in college football, isn't he? As old as he is. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, you got to get it going. Point... Yes. Point of that being let's go because the this isn't I kn- it's kind of funny there really is a breakdown in in Tennessee's fan base uh yeah 2017 Edo one went nine and four um although that might have so actually he didn't win nine regular season games although he did win nine games um
1: well that was his first full year as the coach there that's true so in yeah, in yeah. his
0: technical third year, yeah, because I forget that uh Miles got fired like real early in that season. Mm-hmm. And then he was interim for eight games. Yeah. Um yeah, in his second full year he went 10 and three. So uh even even Kojo, even Kojo can do it. <laughs> uh you, you gotta you gotta get it going. But there really is a breakdown among the fan base right now. And I I'm a real sort of toast fence sitter as far as this goes. I I'm kinda like situation to situation. I, I just have to judge like the players that are on the team, things like that. Uh, but there is one set of fans that looks at Sam Pittman and goes, if that's not us, I'm mad. Mm -hmm. And there's another set of fans that goes, we are in such a bad spot that being like Sam Pittman is unrealistic. And I personally right now, I look at that and I go in what way is Arkansas that
1: much better when Pittman took over? Yeah, Chad Morris was terrible there. Oh my gosh. And he he recruited Tiny offensive linemen. I mean, not not a could not be two more different styles than what Chad Morris tries to do and what Sam Pittman does. And so I to me right
0: now, that's not an excuse. Am I gonna be angry if Hypel doesn't have it top 10 next year like Pittman? No. But within three years especially if within 3 years these sanctions are kind of that cloud's not hanging over you anymore. You got to get this isn't this isn't UCF. We we got we got games to win. And if you can't do it in 3 years, I will be very very skeptical. I believe almost no matter what he'll get for Um, just because the AD it's his dude, he's going to hang with him. He's going to, I mean, wasn't
1: his deal for six years, his first original deal or something, five or six crazy.
0: And it's, it's what Tennessee had to do just to get somebody Mm -hmm. to agree to take this
1: job. And it was him or Tony Elliott who really declined (laughs) the job. Thank goodness. Because that uh, are not happy with that job. Exactly.
0: Um, and so, I, I have to be realistic. I if, if you've listened to me at length, you know I'm the, the fire the coach guy. That's my whole MO. It always has been. Um, but I this look, this opinion doesn't come out of anywhere. Or doesn't come out of nowhere. Tennessee, if they would have been more proactive in firing coaches, you are not in this position. Fulmer. You probably should have fired him in two thousand five. Probably should have. Hind- but hindsight's twenty twenty. I understand why it didn't end until oh eight. Okay, not not two thousand five. Two thousand six. Sorry, should have fired him in two thousand six when he went five and seven. You should have fired him then, probably. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Yada yada yada. Kiffin was probably a decent hire. He leaves. You don't have that. Is what it is. But Dooley comes in sucks and that was an awful awful hire in itself you can call that but where i'm talking about starts with butch Dooley was obvious you had to fire. he sucked (laughs) you had to fire him they fired him probably in in the correct timely fashion Mm -hmm. but butch nine wins and he loses to vanderbilt if you fire butch after the 2016 season i don't think you're in the mire that you're in And so let's learn some lessons here. Don't go back and hire somebody like Phil Fulmer from the old boy network. And you've done, you've avoided that you have supposedly a good idea at this point, but if Tennessee had been more proactive in firing, you're not in this situation. If you don't give Butch that dumb 2017 year where he torpedoed the program, you're probably in a different spot. You would have been able to hire a better coach because you would go, Hey, We have a set of players that just won nine games. Just come in and make it better. You would have had a a similar pitch to when Georgia fired Mark Richt. You go, yeah, he was okay, but you can do better. You can do, we can do Uh better than this. And so just understand where I come from when I say that. Be proactive. And if that's what ends up happening with Heifel, so be it. Hopefully that is not the case, but that's, a road I didn't really plan on going down in this episode, but it just sort of lent itself. I I, I always feel like people misunderstand when I say things like that and they go,
1: Well, you want to fire him already? And you're but No, I
0: don't want to fire him already. It's I I like I said, I already I sort of like what I see. I think it's been it's better than I thought it was gonna be, so there you go. Um but don't get
1: comfortable just because he's your guy, Danny White. And to add on to that, don't ever Unless he wins the SEC East. No, really, unless he wins the SEC, don't give him a contract extension. There's oh. zero reason to give Josh Heupel a contract extension at yes. any point. And that's nothing against Josh Heupel. But look, the only, you're only going to screw yourself on an extension if you have to fire the guy. Uh, if he leaves on his own because somebody wants to hire him away, that means the program's in a better place and maybe you can go get a better coach then then Heupel, not saying that Heupel's a bad coach or anything like that. I'm like you. I like what I see so far. But if that happens, the program's better off than it was when he came. So live with it. But do not extend him. That was one of the worst mistakes Tennessee ever made was extending Jeremy Pruitt. And I was for it at the time. He he, he reeled me in beating Indiana in the bowl game, winning eight games after the disastrous start. I was right there thinking Jeremy Pruitt was the guy. I'm not even going to pretend like I wasn't. But don't do that again. Even if I write and say that you should, don't do it. Ignore it.
0: Before Tony Vitello, when was the last time that Tennessee gave somebody an extension who they actually deserved the extension? Because they did it with Butch. Mm -hmm. They did it with Michigan.
1: Because Michigan was going to steal Butch, right? Yeah, right.
0: Way to go, Jimmy Sexton. <laughs> you played us. Congratulations. Yeah. You've He's done that plenty in his life. Um, But that is just, it's become a tradition unlike the any Phil- other.
1: The Philip Fomer extension that, that didn't even get reported really in the middle of the pandemic, right? I mean, he was extended mm-hmm. as the AD and now that's a thing too. So I went back to
0: look at what I said about this. I wasn't sure what i said and i didn't want to act like i had said anything different january 10th of 2020 i said i've really liked pruitt so far and it's clear he's continuing to get better yikes (laughs) um but he's 13 and 12 overall and doesn't need a significant raise or extension yet win nine or ten games this coming season and then let's pay the man so I was not for it <laughs> and I genuinely wasn't sure how I felt about it. I, I thought I've been super critical of extensions. Um, and so I, yeah, I think by the time they gave that one to Pruitt that I had gotten burned with Butch and I was like, no, nah, we're not doing this again. Nope. 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 Uh, and I, I, I I'm always, sure. I hate this. I hate to say it. People don't like that. I'm negative, but guess who's right. Most of the time. It's true. <laughs>
1: I think people, they they don't like the negativity.
0: I get it. I get it.
1: Yeah, because they, they don't want to accept that the coach isn't going to work out, that Tennessee is in another bad spot, and that wins aren't about to happen. They don't want to accept it at all. I completely get it. I'm that way with – i'm a mets fan i'm that way with them if i didn't write about tennessee and and look at the program the way i do maybe i'd be one of those fans too i don't know but i understand it's just a psychological thing really i and let me say
0: i completely sympathize specifically I, and i i do this and i think it's really funny because it's really just me hating on my own style um huge titans fan as i've already mentioned in this episode Um, and I get so annoyed with like Paul Karski and, and really love, love Buck. He works for this company that we do this show for Buck rising can, he's not like a Tennessee guy. He, he calls it like it is Mm -hmm. and he'll say something and just be like, well, that sucked. And I'll be like, no, screw you, (laughs) dude. No, it didn't suck. And I, then I go like, oh, man, I'm just being – I'm being people that yell at me. And so just know I do it too, guys. I, I'm i the same way. I just want the Titans to be good. Is this Super Bowl too much to ask for? Uh,
1: did the <sighs> Titans win yesterday?
0: Yeah, they did. They played like <laughs> absolute butt, but we still won.
1: It, it was, I was away from the television much of the day yesterday, and I have tweet updates, uh, Twitter alerts from all kinds of people. I'm scanning Twitter, and I'm trying to look at scores. And I didn't uh, – my nine-year-old had a baseball game, so I was at that. And as I was checking the scores at, you know, around 4.30 or, or whatever time, I thought the Titans had lost based on everything I had seen from everybody. And I was like, wait <laughs> a minute. You followed my <laughs> timeline. We're, yeah, we're down like, by 20 points. Yeah. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. What, <laughs> what went on here? So I had to catch up. And
0: you know what was even funny about that after after the game? This is inside baseball, Titans fans. I apologize. But I know some people that listen are Titans fans. So congratulations to those people. You're getting a little Titan stock. I did think it was funny. Vrabel, after the game, he sat Julio Jones at the end of the game. And people were like, what the heck? Like, he's not injured. He's not. It doesn't appear like he's just sitting there on the sideline without his helmet. And then Vrabel, after the game, was like, yeah, we just felt like we could still win without him. And so we just sat him out. And I was like, wow, what an insult to the Colts. (laughs) Brabel was just like, we don't need one of the best receivers of all time in the NFL. We can win this game without that guy. Uh, Because the Colts suck. And the Colts do suck. Uh, And I know there are some people that like this show who are Colts fans. And "Ah, you guys suck. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had some Tennessee fans yesterday who were Colts fans chirping at me. Look at that scoreboard. That's all I gotta say. All right. That's uh it mean, does any- have
1: to be carryover from Peyton, right? Why else? Yeah,
0: for sure. And uh, fair enough. I I always say, like, the I I got caught. There were two sets of fans where there was one set of fans that followed Peyton to Indy. There is one set of fans that became Titans fans when the Titans played mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I was in that second group. And they, they just, it was like Tennessee played the national title in 98 and 99. The Titans played in the Super Bowl and that was just, it set everything in stone for me. So, uh, well, there you go. Any, before we, we bounce out of here, anything, final thoughts, Zach? I, uh, I feel like we got to oh, give two
1: store predictions on that's that. That's right.
0: That's right. We totally forgot to do. We got totally sidetracked talking about yeah. firing
1: coaches, um, which for the second straight week, you predicted the Tennessee's opponent or you predicted the winning team store. You predicted 56 to 7 against Tennessee Tech, and Tennessee scored 56. And you predicted 38 to 21 Florida win, and Florida won 38 Callaway. to 14. Callaway catches that ball. Yeah, I'm exactly. Or right. that last couple of minutes there, or, you know, when Tennessee's just trying to get a garbage time t- touchdown, that almost That's true. came through. They almost backdoor covered. They were that yes. close. Um but yeah, I feel I'll, like we need two score predictions here. One if Hooker starts, and one if Milton starts.
0: That's, have, that's a great I, I way I to break it down.
1: Because I don't think we'll know till Saturday. The Heupel's not, not going to say anything.
0: I will say, with and Hooker as your starting quarterback, 34-27 Tennessee mm. wins. With Milton as quarterback... 28-21, Tennessee loses. It's a pretty big swing, I think. He, he I had, brings that much to the table. Yeah,
1: I agree. And our score predictions are very close. I had wrote down with Hendon Hooker, I've got Tennessee 34 as well, and Missouri 24. Um, And with Joe Milton, I'm going uh, Missouri 31, Tennessee 20. Because I think it really yeah. does impact the defense. I mean, it, it could be worse than that, really, because a three and outs, Missouri, you know, they're Connor Bazalot, however you say his name, he's a lack. He can he can pitch up some yards. I mean, he's he's young, but he's a good quarterback and he's gonna be good there. And he can do some damage if Tennessee's doing three and out and the defense is tired.
0: Hopefully, Hooker plays. We don't have to worry about it. Win the football game. I did want to. I did want to bring up. This is in that same. I just had looked more about the Pruitt extension, and look, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit. <laughs> this is my. It's a free show. This is what I I like to just hear myself talk. I said. This was in reply to somebody who deleted all their tweets. So oh, probably
1: after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I seen don't that. know seen what seen they that said before. To me.
0: But I'm sure it was something pro Pruitt. And I said, You're making a lot of assumptions. For one, if Pruitt tanks next year, a big raise and extension will make Philip Fulmer look dumb. Hmm. And then I said, second, Sabin is a cyborg and isn't leaving if Pruitt somehow wins 11 games next year, UT has more than enough money to lock him down. So this person deleted tweets talking about how Pruitt was going to be Alabama's coach. That person should be happy that it oh. also deletes your handle from my reply mm-hmm. to you. It used to not do that.
1: Yeah. I was thinking it used to be able <laughs> to tell That's a newer feature. <laughs>
0: Man. Good times. Good times. Um, and it did, in fact, uh, Phil Fulmer did not come out of that smelling like roses. Um, that's it, man. Yeah,
1: well, Josh Heupel, I don't think he's going to be the head coach at Oklahoma at any point just because of the way he left there. And if he's even considered, then great for Tennessee. They're in a I, will spot. S- I
0: will say, I don't think they'll be looking at Heupel if anything goes down, but uh, they're not loving what's going on this season so far. Almost lost to West Virginia this weekend, and yeah, they he were. He might make an exit for the NFL. Like they've, he's had offers, so yeah, I I could totally see that. He just kind of sees it going south a little bit. It's not working out as nice as it was before. And Lincoln Riley goes, "All right, I'm gonna go, coach the whoever the Jets."
1: Well, Blake. I can't I can't wait for the Urban Meyer tour after he quits Jacksonville. And oh, see where man. he ends up. Oh. Yeah, he's that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna hire Urban Meyer because that's U- how it works. USC or LSU after yeah. they fire Osier on that'd be the worst oh, case. Oh, God, don't get him back in the SEC.
0: Kill me. At least we wouldn't have to play him every year for yeah. now. Um, okay, I think that is all. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. Uh, at charlie underscore burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z sports, a to z sports.com. Uh, the A to Z sports podcast network feed rate review. Subscribe. Please, please, please go over there and do it. Uh, as I said last week, go over and leave a review saying that we're great. And the other shows are just, meh eh, no, don't, <laughs> but that is all. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk
1: to y'all next week. See you guys later.